football podcast episode 63 we are talking fantasy football mid february we're talking 2017 fantasy football in mid february this is pyromaniac mo thank you diehards for listening out there all you degenerates just like we are here at pyromaniac and i am joined today by my brother from another mother mr d-rex how are you my man What's up, buddy? What's up? Good to uh, good to be talking the fantasy with you. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. I figure you got some of this awesome weather up by by you as well. Uh, February eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth is teasing us on the spring. We're about we're, we're we're sure to get screwed on this one later on. I don't know, man. If there's a, I know global warming and uh, the the Earth crisis we are in, that perhaps is not a thing because it cannot be found on a White House website. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I, contrary to the White House website, I just stick my head out the door, and it does not feel like February to me, but I am enjoying it nonetheless. I agree, man. It's, uh, did some uh, fun park, brought Daisy to the park two days in a row this weekend. It's President's Day today, so... Figured it was a good day for us to talk fantasy football. I'm excited to join your Pyro Podcast Light. You do a great job on this show for the site, so we appreciate it. Episode 63, you're a badass. Pyromaniac Mo, keep it yeah. up. Yeah, episode 63. So as the folks know, or may not, welcome if you don't. We at Pyro Light, and of course Pyromaniac, we're uh, a website like no other. We are a fantasy football company with soul. We try to give you the fantasy goo and the pyro light during the season. It's a pretty set format. We're talking DFS and what Vegas tells us and streaming picks, all kinds of in-season content. Out of season, we're doing all kinds of stuff. A lot of fantasy football talks. Of course, the industry kind of takes a collective deep breath right about this point. So lots of folks are really trying to get away. But of course, we're a degenerate uh, or we're a degenerative company, and we love fantasy. So we thought for the next couple Pyro Light episodes, uh, we're going to talk to some in-house guys, some of uh, the other Pyro crew, the guys that you hear or may not even hear, just some of the boys that are working hard, but maybe you don't hear on the microphone. 
we're going to talk to them and come up with a couple topics that hopefully will entice you as we all await uh, the kickoff and draft season to come. So, D-Rex, are you ready to uh, to get to some fantasy goo here today? Absolutely. This is, uh, this is exciting. I think we talked a little bit uh, in the in the previous days. We'll, we're going to try and keep this light, but um, you and I have, have, have a hard time doing that when we uh, sit around <laughs> and talk about this subject matter that we're so passionate about. So let's see how we do. Get the stopwatch going. Holla. All right, let's get it going. I should say before we start rolling, we opened it up with a little rancid. Uh, the song Civilian Ways from Let the Dominoes Fall. Uh, not your typical rancid song, punk rock group, but a little bit more unplugged, a little bit more acoustic, so I thought it was kind of a cool one. And, of course, just want you guys to know, if you enjoy the Pyro Podcasts, please uh, leave us a review wherever you encounter Pyromaniac. We are on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, in our beloved Blog Talk Radio. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, we give you the goo, and hopefully uh, you will give us a review. That is all we ask at this time. All right. So, today, I uh, got a few topics. Really, you kind of came up with these, but um, let's start off with players to avoid. So, D-Rex, throw out a couple guys, and then I'll throw out one or two, and we'll get a back and forth going. A couple guys that you do not foresee being on your 2017 roster, I'm going to start with a couple of running backs, and um, you know, I, I, I'm going to throw out three of them right now quickly. And two, one of them I'll just graze over, honestly. But I'm definitely staying away from Jamal Charles. He's yeah. scaring me big time right now because you know, 30 years old, he's only played eight games uh, in 2015 and 2016. Uh, he's had 83 carries over those last two seasons. He's on the wrong side of the age. I mean, it's just it's hard to think that this guy is going to regain it, and it almost feels like the team's somewhat moved on from him. Definitely. And I, so I'm definitely – I got burned by Jamal this year, and I took him in the third round in our Blog Talk Radio podcast, and I, I was just sitting there, Value City, and one of the things – for the people that have listened to the Pyro Heavy, one of the things I'm really going to stay away from doing in the 2017 drafts is if guys are banged up or usually even currently banged up or about to have had shown, uh, you know, propensity for injury, I'm kind of going to stay away from them because I found the years that my teams uh, really, you know, kind of hit rock bottom are the years where I lock up on potential with uh, injury prone guys. And last year was just one of those. I had Adrian Peterson, had Sammy Watkins, had Jamal Charles, had, you know, just you, you, you name it. Um, so I'm, that's kind of one of my MOs this year. So I'm definitely staying away from Jamal Charles and the guy that I'll piggyback with him right now for the same exact reason uh, might start to pee on the pup list uh, coming into next year. A guy that probably comes into high value. I like him as a player, but Giovanni Bernard, um, he won't be on any of my teams. It just seems like. He's going to miss a few games, and he could be the recreation of Jamal Charles from last year, um, even if he comes back earlier. I think what Jamal, I came back in like early uh, October or something and played like three games, but had like one carry and then 12 carries and then one carry, and they shut him down. Uh, I'm not – so Giovanni, I'm staying away from as well. Yeah, one thing you said that um, rings a bell with me, you know, uh, guys with a propensity for injury, 
Now, I am that's one of the things I'm going to bring into the 2017 season, especially early. Now, later in the draft, I might throw caution to the wind a little bit more, but with those first, you know, seven picks, eight rounds there, I am going to try to be uh, more cautious with guys like you mentioned because that can really sting you. Not that injuries can't happen to anybody, but there are definitely those guys that, you know, if I'm going to spend a real early round pick, a starting guy, I know I'm taking a lot of chances. I want, you know, one less check against him. And all those early round guys, they're going to have checks. There are going to be things about them. So if I can eliminate something, you know, a propensity for injuries, one good thing to eliminate. Um, My guy hasn't been injured. However, you know, people loved him this year. And honestly, one of the big things that I want to see is ADP. I really want to look for MFL 10s. They're they're getting rolling, and I want to see how the fantasy community is going to react. This is going to be an interesting summer, right? Because we've got the zero RB strategy. That was big last year. We came off the 2015 season. A bunch of running backs banged up. Last year was almost the running back resurgence, right? So what's going to be the, the trend in your draft room? Are guys going to look to last year as a model? And I'm thinking maybe maybe the more average Joes, the more average guys, if you're just in a casual league with your buddies from work, generally they're going to look to last year as, as kind of a, a repeat. So running backs might be high commodity. I think there are going to be some sharper players that might stick to that zero RB or at least wide receiver early and often. So I'm really interested to see where value is going to develop. That said, I think LeGarrette Blunt is going to go earlier than he should. I think his ADP is going to balloon after what we saw, and goodness gracious, it was great to see 18 rushing touchdowns. But to me, people are going to look to last year wrongly as a model or a blueprint for what's going to happen. As we know, we've played this long enough. There is no model. There is no blueprint. Every year is new. But they're going to see those 18 touchdowns. They're going to look at the Patriots team. That is not likely to repeat. You've got Deion Lewis, who is looking just beautiful, getting healthy. Plus, they got a stable of guys there uh, that are doing quite well. They're starting to give the rock to more. And I just think his 18 touchdowns, that has to regress towards the mean. Um, he's going to not see as many red zone looks this next season. I don't think he's going to be worth what you're going to have to pay for him. Now, interestingly enough, I looked at Pyro's own touchdown dependency chart. I freaking love that thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out on the Pyro website. It's the touchdown dependency chart. Out of the top 60 fantasy running backs, only John Kuhn and Robert Turbin had a higher touchdown dependency than Mr. LeGarrette Blunt. That is to say, only those two players were more rushing touchdown dependent for their 2016 fantasy value than Mr. LeGarrette Blunt. He's a guy I'm staying away from. That makes a lot of sense, especially because who even knows? He he he, he might not be on that team next year. It seems like uh, he, is he signed? Yeah, I don't know if he is signed, but geez, even if he's not, to me, his best opportunity or for a fantasy owner's best opportunity to have him is to be on that team. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I just I want to see not to say that he's not going to drop. But if history tells me anything, I think he's going to be overpriced because of those 18 TDs. And, you know, Houdini, you know, career year beware. He's got a career year with touchdowns. You know, that's not going to happen again. I agree. 
Cool. Uh, well, I'll bounce over to uh, another guy that I'm going to stay away from, and that was one of my – he's one of my favorite players. I was high on him last offseason. Uh, DeMarco Murray, I think he's going to – his value is going to be too rich for my blood. Uh, the whole Derrick Henry, you're going to talk about him later, so I won't go too much about him uh, at all. But just a goal line vulture. He's even listed on uh, most uh, depth charts right now on websites as the goal line back for the Titans. Uh, so I just think he's almost 30 years old, 29, doesn't have that much wear and tear on him. I think, uh, you know, he's actually an older running back when drafted in 2011, but he's just not going to, he's just not going to be able to, he'll, if you can get him later and get some value for him, great player, awesome, good running back too, good flex option. Uh, but I just do think that he's, his performance this year is going to come at a cost and, I would uh I, I would stay away from him. you. Look at his game logs. Once he hurt that foot uh, in the middle of the season, wasn't the same. He's not going to get have surgery this off season, which is great, but it's just it's just problematic. I think in general uh, on the ground he 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 only had one touchdown in his last six games. I think there was uh, one of those games he had a uh, he had a, a, a reset receiving touchdown, but. Uh, another stat there is he didn't have a hundred yard game in his last six games either. So just, uh, I don't think he didn't end on the, on an upswing. And I think in general, I'm going to stay away. Yeah. I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm going to be talking about, uh, his cohort down there a little bit, but I agree with you, uh, staying away from Mr. DeMarco Murray. He's not going to be on many of my fantasy teams, uh, this year. Now, one of the guys, I hate to say it, because he's a lion, and Lord knows I'm a lion's man, but uh, Mr. Anquan Bolden, his, it's not going to be repeatable. He was a favorite of Stafford down in the red zone, but his touchdown ratio, that is just not something that is sustainable. Uh, using, once again, um, looking at uh, fantasy point value with the touchdown dependency chart, Bolden, his numbers were really inflated. Um, only Tariq Hill and J.J. Nelson saw fewer fantasy points coming from receiving yards. And when I'm looking at my wide receivers and using that great pyro chart, I want fantasy value coming from a, a wide receiver to come from receptions, to come from receiving yards. Because, you know, touchdowns are very volatile. You don't want to build in your fantasy value um, with a dependency on touchdowns. Bolden certainly did that. In fact, out of the top 50 wide receivers, his 45.1% of his total fantasy value came from receiving touchdowns. That's more than any other top 50 wide receiver. Sorry to say for the Lions, that is not something that's going to be sustainable. So Bolden is not going to be on my teams in 2017. Yeah, I don't. He's he's probably gonna play again, but he's he's trying to ride his swan swan song and get enough stats that he could be a uh, a Hall of Famer, I suppose. That guy's old, uh, but a stud. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with the wide receiver here, and that's Amari Cooper. Uh, I mean, you couldn't. The last game I test that we watched, I know it was Connor Cook, but Connor Cook was throwing some dimes on him. And he's dropped some amazing play, plays in that uh, wild card loss to the Texans. Uh, he only caught two of his 10 targets, uh, only had 10 yards in his first, I think that was his first playoff game. Uh, just a, just a bad overall last game to a pretty bad season, in my opinion. You know, I know the guy 
he was able to go over a thousand yards for his back-to-back seasons. Uh, pretty impressive, considering he's only uh, just went through his sophomore campaign. Only had a hundred, four hundred yard games last year. Had none after week eight, which is problematic at all. Uh, in all honesty, he 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 just didn't even really get the yards. Uh, failed to go over, um, I think, sixty five yards, and uh, I think he did it. He did it once in his last nine games. Yep. Uh, Crabtree, another. Sorry to. I take the opposite side of guys that you like, but it's this is why, uh, you know, he does a great job of taking guys off of and clearing things up or I don't know. He just doesn't, he's just not as good as he should be. And uh, I was high on him coming out of college. I think when I watch him play, he's got that aloofness. He doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like he's, and the things bother him. Even last year when he's a rookie, when he got his head slammed by Pac-Man Jones, he just kind of got up and like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Uh, thanks for slamming my head down. Uh, let's 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 hike that ball again. We'll just play another snap. No aggression, you know. No no, just like fire in there. And you know, if you if, when you come from pyromaniac, you need some fire. So I hope he changes. Obviously, he's a great player. You don't have to have that. I.e. AJ Green's kind of in that same mold. You never know whether the guy's like wants to tear someone's head off or if he wants to give him flowers. He's just kind of got that demeanor that's equilibrium, always the same, even keel. Uh, but Amari Cooper, just considering how that offense was such a well-oiled machine and the running game really didn't get going that much, and Carr was a MVP candidate for most of the season, and to just kind of have what I thought looked uh, on, uh, in watching a lot of the games, just a lot of dud outings. Uh, Amari Cooper, going to be a, probably a second-rounder. People love the guy. He's the sec- He's one of the, the young guard coming up in the position. Uh, he's going to be someone that will not be on my team. Yeah, you're kind of uh, taking my thunder by virtue of guys you're not taking. <laughs> I know. Because the the other the, there a lot of these teammates are guys that I am gonna take, and I'm just one thing. And you kind of brought up a stat I was gonna talk about the Cooper Crabtree since the week ten by in 2016. As you said, Cooper only had one game over 60 yards. Crabtree did it four times. Huh. So a little sneak peek as to a guy I am going to be taking a bit later, but I'm with you. Cooper just hasn't really quite delivered like we thought, and I just think that name recognition, as you say, people are going to still buy into him. He's you know certainly the number one there. You're going to pay for something I don't think he's going to deliver, so I'm with you on that one as well. Now, my last one... I don't really have a guy, but I'm going to lump in the tight end position. This year, only two tight ends, two, went for over 1,000 receiving yards. Now, as we know, tight end is a uber volatile position because they're so dependent on touchdowns. As you can see, only two guys went for over 1,000 yards. You don't have a lot of receptions, don't have a lot of yards. I mean, you can have a guy who's heavily involved in the offense, catches, you know, four or five passes and not even land in the top 10 for tight ends. You can have a guy that basically does nothing but happens to catch a touchdown and it's going to get him in the top 10. It's just a super volatile position. Now, for those of you that don't know, this season, I started charting all of my streaming calls and I would look at NFLFantasy.com. I wouldn't make a pick until after waivers had cleared. 
Now, everybody knows, uh, heck, there's an industry built, right, on uh, waiting on your quarterback and streaming quarterbacks and which quarterbacks to stream. Well, I finished seventh, so if you would, at at the quarterback spot, if you would have listened to my QB picks, again, 50% available after waiver wire is cleared, I I would have finished seventh in points. So, you know, streaming the QB is very viable. We all know this. It's a big industry uh, notion or concept. Same thing at the tight end. I finished ninth streaming tight ends. You can just as easily look for matchups uh, instead of wasting around, you know, five, six, seven pick on a tight end. I'm going to wait. Why not? Why not stock up on your running backs and your wide receivers? Wait on tight end as long as you can because it is a very streamable position. In fact, you're probably going to do better. Like if you look at me, I did ninth, ninth best in, in points. If you play the matchups, if you start guys going against teams that are vulnerable to the tight end or they've got a linebacker that's injured or what have you. So tight end is something I should say early to mid round tight end is something I'm going to stay away from. I'm going to go later than normal, I think, on the tight end spot in 2017. Finish it up for us here, sir. You got a couple more. Uh, who, who are you going to stay away from? I'm going to stay away from one guy at wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I don't know where he's going to land. I don't know what's going to happen there, but we know we know my my take on him. Uh, just not not feeling uh, the 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 effort uh, to and the will and the passion as a fantasy or a football NFL football player is there. So he's a guy that'll go higher than than I want. Uh, we talked about it on the heavy show a couple Fridays ago. I mean, that guy finished as the 52nd wide wide receiver this year and actually was in some games where there was a lot of yards and some fantasy points being scored. Um, I just, I'm staying away from him. My, my last guy is going to be Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is obviously, you know, as happens, you brought it up earlier, Houdini's career year, beware. That's my main reason, obviously. But I think my just as big is, and we saw it with Cam Newton this year, and it's gonna it's 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 a trend that we've seen. Just that devastating loss to New England, there is going to be a hangover from that. There is co- coming from being the highest scoring offense, doing all those beautiful things they did this year as a unit on the offensive side of the ball. That game basically should have you know we don't need to go into the Super Bowl. We all know what happened there, but there is going to be a severe hangover from that game. As a team, Shanahan gone. Now he's got to learn a whole – probably doesn't have to learn a whole new system. They're probably just going to keep the same system in place. But it's a new coach. There's always issues there. Um, I, I just, I'm just worried that now all of a sudden he's going to be a top three, four uh, wide or QB taken just on the stats from uh, last season alone. And I just don't know if, it, if, it's, if it's warranted there. He's the MVP. I'm I'm staying away. There's no way that Matt Ryan's going to be my quarterback next year on any of my teams. Yeah, I like it. I think he's he's certainly going to be overpriced again. People are going to look at last year as though it's some sort of template. We've played long enough to know that rarely does a year repeat. You can look to things and learn from the past as we can in life, but rarely do you have just straight out flat repetition. I don't think the same thing's going to happen for that offense, and, and I'm with you. I think he's going to be overpriced. I'm not going to pay for him for what you're going to get. Uh, I will add a little caveat to the Alshon Jeffrey. I will just say, if you're listening right now, you're probably a degenerate like us, and if you're listening <laughs> right now, you might just be playing in MFL 10s, which, hey, they started already, man. I'm, I'm going to roll out my first uh, NFL 
MFL 10 uh, this week, I believe. But if you're if you're playing MFL 10s right now, I would throw out a couple darts on Alshon just because you don't know where he's going to land. He could, just could, and I got to say, I have, you know, at least six, seven, eight um, wide receivers. There's even the fragile model now that tells you to go out and get nine wide receivers in an MFL 10. I'm just saying you could score really well with a mid to late round um, Elshon Jeffrey. And if he happens to land on a great team, I think there could be some good stuff to be had there. So I'm saying MFL 10s, I wouldn't fault you for throwing out a dart right now, but I'm here. You come draft day, uh, you're certainly going to, a lot's going to change between now and then. And I know your feelings certainly on Mr. Jeffrey. Cool. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that's exciting. One thing I would like to just look back on 2015 stats for uh, Matt Ryan. He only went over 20 points twice. Played all. I mean, he's a he's an iron horse. So you know, this year he went over it. I mean, basically, it's 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 more more times than he didn't. Obviously. Uh, so that was that was another thing that I just wanted to throw out there. Just looking at looking at game logs and looking at the the stats of a player on a career game. Go back a year or two and look at some of those guys. And I think any of the names that we listen when you're doing your due diligence and finding your players and working out your first round of tiers, really looking at game logs from not just this year. And, and box scores and all that stuff, but go back a season or two because you can get kind of a trend and a, and, and a medium with a, with a player. Uh, if he's done poorly this year, hey, you know, maybe he just had a bad season. Uh, look back a couple of years and he, maybe he'll get back to that level. And if he was a dominator uh, this year, but in previous years he was just kind of mediocre, look back to some of those stats and maybe, you know, you might see where he might call, fall down to. Yeah, I like that. And uh, even looking back to see the the trends, are they trending up, trending down? I was looking at some players for this today, looking at the guys that uh, Devonta Freeman, actually, his yards per carry average has increased every year he's been in the league. So I like looking back in life, man. That's just a good rule. And uh, my daughter is here, uh, (laughs) those of you who can hear her. All right, so we are going to transition away from topic number one about the guys we are not going to have on our 2017 rosters to the guys that are going to be very attractive, perhaps the the under-the-radar guys or the guys that are going to provide the most value, certainly once ADPs come out and once the draft comes out. Who's going to be the most attractive value guys going to be on your rosters. We're going to get to that, but first, D-Rex, I'm going to give you a trivia question. So are you ready for that, sir? I am. All righty. Trivia question number one. Now, we know that this is an ever-evolving game. More wide receiver action than there used to be. Uh, Less reliance on the running game. So I just want to ask you, maybe even a two-parter, but I'm going to start off with this. In 2016, how many running backs finished with over 1,000 yards? I want you to think about that while you folks at home listen to this, and we will be right back. All right, thanks for sticking with us. I want to tempt you guys to stop on by pyromaniac.com. 
time. We are the fantasy football place for you. We've got content all year round. We've got our end of 2016 tiers. Stag Party, God bless him. He already threw up his 2017 tiers. Of course, we got the touchdown dependency chart that I've been referencing. We got so much awesome content coming out at Pyro all year long. Great stuff. Right now, we are a fantasy football company with soul. That is pyromaniac.com. Com. All right, I am Pyromaniac Mo, and I am here with D-Rex from Pyromaniac.com, and we have trivia number one, in which I asked, last year, 2016, how many running backs amassed 1,000 rushing yards? What do you think, D-Rex? I'm going to go with 13. Very close, my good man, very close. You you were just a bit too optimistic. Only twelve. Oh, I was living on thirteen or eleven, so I would have uh, would have been gone wrong either way. The elusive twelve got me. Uh, Was that a lot or not a lot? Um, it was well. It's more than years past. Um, it was more than I believe the year before and the year before that. But I started looking from one thousand, and you can see the amount of running backs that did it start to go down, and then from the year 2000, the amount of wide receivers that do it is clearly going up. So if you were looking at a bar graph or a pie yeah. graph, you could easily see how the game is changing. Totally. Now, my question for you, though, is we got 12. So this is part two. Okay. We, we got 12 running backs that amass 1,000 rushing yards. How many, just how many do you think averaged five yards per carry or better? What do you think? Oh, I think that's got to be low. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go three. Oh, man, you are so close. You're just a bit too pessimistic now. Four. Four. LaShawn McCoy led them all. So out of all 1,000-yard rushers, LaShawn McCoy was best with 5.4. Hojo, Howard Johnson, uh, 5.2. Ezekiel Elliott, 5.1. Ingram, 5.1. So just four guys did it. Yeah, it's hard to believe that Ingram did it. Wow. I know. I, I was surprised with that one as well. And uh, LaShawn McCoy, old man McCoy, leading the, the charge there with 5.4. Yeah. Well, okay. Cool stuff. All right. So as I said, we're transitioning now. We talked about the guys we were not going to have to guys that we probably will have, or at the very least, guys that are attractive, under-the-radar guys, value-type players. D-Rex, you're my guest here. Why don't you kick it off to a value guy you expect for 2017? Whew, all right, I'm going to go with the value guy. I'm I'm liking a DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think his name carries a little bit too much clout. He People really like this player. So I'm not going to call him an under-the-radar, and, and sadly enough, I don't know if you're going to get him at a value. Um, but I, I like him. I'm, a, I'm still attracted to him, as, my, as I kind of alluded to in the show a bit earlier. I'm not totally down and out on this guy just because he had a, a, a down year. Um, in general, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame it on, on a broke ass wiper. And, uh, so I'm, I'm just not all the way down on Hopkins. Pretty hard to believe that he finished in 16 games and on 150 targets, he was the 35th scoring wide receiver, which is, was behind even, uh, AJ Green, one behind AJ Green who missed six games and had 50 less targets. So that just kind of shows you what kind of year he had. Didn't hit the 1,000-yard mark, which is a bummer, but it seems like the team's smart enough to know that Osweiler's pretty much lost his job. They're looking for his replacement. It might be on the team existing right now uh, in in Savage. Maybe they're going to do something in the draft. 
Maybe they're going to sign a free agent. I'm hearing they're they're interested in a lot of free agents. Could you imagine spending that kind of money and then the year later you're back at it again in the same position? Not not the way they uh, envisioned this whole thing going down. But that's why I'm still I'm still down and, and still game for DeAndre Hopkins. Hopefully, people don't love his style and his uh, him so much as a player because he's kind of one of those likable, cool guys uh, that he does truly fall down. Um, so that's that. He's healthy. Not he was not wasn't injured. He likes playing in Texas. Uh, so if they can figure something out, he could be right back up there in the top ten again, in my opinion. Well, and he had basically his two best. I mean, there was one game uh, week two, but when Savage took over, he had three decent games. Two, he did phenomenally well, 123 yards week 17, uh, eight catches for 87 yards week 15. And that was all with Savage, so I'm with you. It, it's The problem does not lie with Hopkins in, in this equation. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the Brock broke ass wiper is the problem. Um, so I'm going to stick right on the same team and, and say Lamar Miller uh, out of the top 50 running backs. Again, using our chart here, only Jay Jahi and Jaquiz Rogers had a higher percentage of fantasy value come from rushing yards. Miller, uh, he only had four TDs. That's very low uh, out of those top 50 running backs, even out of the top 20. I mean, that's just super low for the amount of time he was on the field. So I think that has to regress towards the mean. And with a Bill O'Brien offense, he's going to be given ample opportunity. The Titans have been in the top six for rushing attempts per game in the last three seasons, top six in each of the last three seasons with Bill O'Brien. They just need a quarterback to keep defenses honest. I mean, why wouldn't you stack the box against Miller and just challenging uh, Osweiler to beat you? Because you know he couldn't. So I think Miller is going to be sorely undervalued. People seeing his letdown last year. And again, I think the main problem there is still not the talent we are talking about, but it's the quarterback position. For sure. Give me another guy that you think is going to be undervalued or guy that's going to be attractive in 2017. You know, I'm going to go with the Super Super Bowl hero. Uh, wasn't the MVP, but probably would have been if, if, if Tom Brady hadn't been on the team. And that's uh, James White. Yeah. Talked earlier about your Garrett Blount. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent, so that answers that question from earlier. I just looked it up. Uh, I, I think that they know they need that depth. They need that battering ramp, but they also, LeGarrette's going to go maybe try and get some money. I think he's done that before and kind of smoked some dope with with Bell and came crawling back to the Patriots, so maybe he knows his best best uh, decision is to take less money and play for that team and be a part of a, a winning uh, one of the greatest dynasties around and uh, possibly be in the Super Bowl every year. But who knows? This is probably his last big shot at a nice contract coming off his career year. Uh, so maybe he's just going to go for the money and try and get as much guaranteed cash as possible. If that's the case, James White, or regardless if that's the case, James White is in for some serious stats, I think, next year. And in looking at his stats from even this year, it's pretty hard to believe that how well he he, he did. Um, you know, he actually had he finished 35th at the position of running backs. He he's not a running guy, so you're not ever going to get you know too many carry. He only had 39 attempts last year, but he had 60 receptions. 
and that was on 86 targets. So he had 100 points last year. So you got to think with Deion Lewis, who was out but came back and took some stuff back, I think they're kind of saw in that game. And, and just with the, when you hear uh, Brady gush about James White and how much he loves him and how he's like just dedicated to his craft, never does anything wrong. He's like a little brother, all these things that Brady. I just feel like James White finally after four or so years, and he was a high draft pick. I think James White was a second rounder four-ish years ago, just kind of never came into his own until this year. And I think uh, that's the kind of guy that on a high score, a great team, as you mentioned, to be a running back on, high scoring uh, backfield type of team. And they obviously, as Brady gets older, he's just trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible so he doesn't take those huge hits. And that is where James White comes into play. He's going to be a target machine. And if Blunt's gone, he's going to be carrying the ball a hell of a lot more too. Yeah. How can you go wrong with that offense there? Uh, Just a juggernaut. Brady keeps doing it. Uh, Wild Bill there. Uh, That team's going to put out a running back. For sure, just got to see who uh, the stable of backs he's going to have at his uh, beck and call next year. A guy I like, Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware, he's a man I had this year. Now, I know folks are going to say that he did not have a great year. He was more of a an average Joe kind of a back. He started off, he, he popped a few times early on. But at the end of the season, he didn't give you anything exactly memorable. He was he was a working man kind of a guy. But he finished 16th at the position in standard scoring. Here's one of the, the things that I think is why you're going to be able to get him at a value. Only had three rushing touchdowns, just like I was talking about with Miller. Miller only had four. Spencer Ware only had three rushing TDs. Out of the top 20 scoring fantasy running backs, that was the least. No one, no one had three except Spencer Ware. He was at the bottom of the barrel. That has to regress, especially on KC. That offense, they were in the top third for rushing attempts. That's how they like to play it. Now, out of the top 30 running backs, only my boy, Mr. Sproles, was less touchdown dependent for fantasy value. So 57.3% of Spencer Ware's fantasy value came from rushing yards. That's what I'm looking for. Because the touchdowns will regress to the mean. The touchdowns will come back. He should, if you look at just raw averages over a multi-span year, he should experience a real uptick in rushing touchdowns next season. I want to take advantage of the recency bias I think people are going to have because of those three TDs and because he didn't give you any big games. Nobody's going to remember anything big, but he's kind of, you know, that forte who doesn't have, well, forte of years past, I should say, uh, maybe a gore doesn't have any real big popping games, but he's always right there. He always finishes good. Spencer Ware, 16th, despite only having three TDs. That's got to change next season. Give me another name, sir, that you're going to look at for some value next year. Well, I I, I think I'm going to go to a guy, and it's it's it kind of goes against what I said at the beginning, but um, he should be fine. Uh, C.J. Anderson, I think. You know, he's he's bagged up, but I think when you saw um, Booker had that opportunity, kind of botched it. They are – C.J. Anderson will be back this year, signed for a few more years. I He played in only seven games and had 110 carries. He, only, he had 400 yards. He, he's doing pretty good. Um, 
ended up, you know, not not having a great season because he missed those nine games and, uh, you know, half of one when he got injured. But I, I just think that that team needs to run and gun. Who knows what's going to be happening in the quarterback position. So C.J. Anderson's a guy that people are going to forget pretty quickly. I believe, and they're going to look at the stats from last year, and they're going to be way down. And this is a kid. This is a kid that could come at a nice value in that, uh, in, in, you know, in the in the five to seven, uh, five to six, uh, depending on what's going on in the preseason for him. And he he could be a nice uh, nice RB two uh, that you could steal later if you're if you're waiting. Uh, start, you know, stocking up on wide receivers and uh, take, taking a roll of the dice on a lot of uh, running backs later. I'm with you. If he can stay healthy, I think uh, a lot of what we saw, he was hampered a little bit by tweaks. If he can stay healthy, I, I, I'm with you. I think he could be a nice surprise as an RB2 for lots of folks. Uh, my guy, kind of similar. He didn't um, win you any leagues this season. In fact, he probably frustrated you more than anything. Bilal Powell, he was frustrating not because of a lack of his play, but because of a lack of usage, that coaching staff just had blinders on when it came to Bilal Powell. I think the Sharp Fantasy community, they, Lord knows, have had a long love affair with this guy. I was touting him at the start of last season. I drafted him last season. But unfortunately, like I said, the Jets, they just have not shown any love for him. Uh, they paid for Forte, and they wanted to see if they could get uh, what they tossed Adam out of him. Now, Forte, they didn't. You know, it was the first time in 2016 that Forte, in his nine-year career, first time he did not finish a season as an RB1 in PPR. Boy, you talk about that 30-year wall. Forte, he just turned 31 in December. So the majority of the 2016 season he played as a 30-year-old. Again, first time in Nine seasons, Forte did not end up as a top uh, 12 running back in PPR scoring. At the end of the season, though, we saw the coaching staff start to wake up a little bit with Blow Powell. They started to give Powell the rock more. And, you know, what do we always say? He passes the eye test. He looks great when they give him the chance. And I think they will give him the chance. The stars are starting to align. Forte is descending. I think the talent is certainly there. He's playing with an aging veteran who's showing his wear, and I think uh, Bilal Powell could be a draft day bargain. What I, else love, I loved what I saw out of him on those last oh, few I games. Know. I mean, if you're in PPR, he's, he's, he's a stud. So I, I agree. I think that's a good call. Yeah, well, Jets fans had to have just been screaming at that coaching staff, and I was waiting all year for them to, to finally pull out Powell and do something. I don't know. They never did, and – Lo and behold, when they did, he looked awesome. So they kind of make them look dumb. Why weren't they using him before? <laughs> right. All right. Give me another name that you're targeting or that you think is going to be attractive in 2017. I think you got to be loving Hunter Henry. Oh, yeah. uh, the, the fact that he basically, even this year, it's hard to believe, but Hunter Henry had 130 points. Hmm. Uh, that is That is only 50 points less than... I don't know. It's 30, 37 point, 38 points less than Jordan Reed. Yeah. So 
this guy, and he was he was a rookie, so and he had Antonio Gates, who will probably still he'll he'll still be there next year. He's going to give it another go and get pad some of these stats for a Hall of Fame career. But it's obvious that Hunter Henry's going to be the featured guy. He's going to Rivers is going to be targeting him. They're going to he's going to be a great value. This guy could be, you know, he's in the tiers. Stag party did a end of season tiers that basically shows you how you should tier out players based on their scoring from last season. And these are, uh, it's PPR scoring actually. And basically Hunter Henry was a tier six player. So it lumped in there. with like the Fleeners, the clays, Fedorowicz and Barnage. Uh, so you just you can see that this guy in his first season uh, was was viable, definitely definitely viable. So I really like him heading to LA. They're he, they're going to need to you know he's going to he's going to need to be the a featured guy, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. You're going to get Allen's Keenan Allen's going to be back, so that'll even open the middle up for him more. And I just think in general, Hunter Henry seemed like he just got it right away. And I just see the ascension happening uh, as a round, second-round pick. Big guy, smart kid. Um, so Hunter Henry, keep your eye on that guy. You don't have to go too early on him, but I think the value will be sitting there real nicely. Yeah, he's, you know, the exception to the rule of don't take a rookie tight end, right? He. He he did it. He looked fantastic. He's a he's a dynasty darling. Uh, if you're getting in a startup dynasty league, I think for sure. I yeah. like Hunter Henry as well, and I'm a longtime Gates lover, and I, I I'm I want me some Hunter Henry for sure. Another guy we kind of already alluded to, uh, just by the the past category of guys we're gonna pass over, and you mentioned passing over a Demarco Murray. And one of the huge reasons, obviously, is because who's waiting in the shadows? Mr. Henry uh, could be a rising star in this league. His usage started to increase at the end. We talked a little bit about, uh, or you talked a little bit about DeMarco Murray's letdown at the end of the season. He started off great, right? He had four, talking DeMarco Murray, four straight 20 fantasy performances to start off the 2016 season. Well, he failed to eclipse 20 fantasy points in his last six games. DeMarco Murray will pay 2017 at age 29. Now, he is not your average 29-year-old. Remember, he had just over 290 carries last year. The man is just two seasons removed from 339 regular season carries. Uh, so he's got some tread on those tires for sure, far more than I think an average six-year vet. So he's already getting up there. Derrick Henry is going to be the answer. We saw what he can do at the goal line. He's just a bruising back. Uh, They've got the smash-mouth football down there. So I think he's going to step in flawlessly. And because we saw flashes, but we didn't really get to see him in there, and everybody's remembering DeMarco Murray, I think they're going to certainly overpay for Murray, and that's going to represent value with Henry. And Henry's a beast. That guy, Ooh, he is. He is. Goodness. When he walks up, they got a huge offensive line. When he walks up to the offensive line, it's like, wait, where's the running back? Yeah. How, did, how do these guys have six uh, uh, offensive uh, linemen? He is so friggin' big. Uh, he's got enough uh, elusiveness. 
I know the one thing that uh, your boy David T uh, ripped on him on uh, when he, two years ago before he was coming out, or maybe it was last year. I guess it was last year before he was coming out. Yeah. Was his terrible footwork. Yep. You know, he's not he's not like he's not really the kind of guy who's got too much of these. Uh, you know, the he, he, he what's the word I'm looking for? The um, the, the basics aren't 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 really down with him. He, he doesn't have doesn't have doesn't, that quick twitch speed as they like to say. Those quick twitch moves. Yeah, you know, but when he gets the ball in his hand, he's a monster, and we've seen it. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. We saw it last year on making great plays, especially inside the 10, and uh, so I agree. Hunter Henry, he's, I mean, uh, uh, your boy Henry. Uh, we had two Henrys in a row. Uh, Derek. Oh, yeah, we did. Derek Henry. Yeah, two Henrys. <laughs> Two Henrys, never a good thing. And, and that's all that I always call Derek Henry. I always refer to him as Travis Henry anyway. So I had, to, I was just saying Henry just so I didn't mess it up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but we've like, all got those players, huh? We do, we do. But yeah, Henry, Derek Henry is a monster. And just because he's not gonna, you know, bust it outside the tackles, he's gonna rack up touchdowns. If anybody can rack up those, you know, 14, 15, 16 touchdown games, I think he could easily do it. Once they give him the role that I think he's going to carve out for himself next year. Yep. All right. Well, I'll do a guy uh, that it, I'll go to a quarterback position and a player that he's not he's not too exciting. He doesn't light the he doesn't light it up too hard uh, very often. But if I was to tell you Andy Dalton with AJ Green being out for as many games as he was, well, all the turmoil. Uh, Bernard Giovanni went down. Uh, Hills basically stunk. Tyler Boyd was their best wide receiver for a lot of the season, and Eifert even was banged up at the beginning. What would you What would you guess that where Andy Dalton finished in QBs last year? If I knew all of that, I would have said you know, I don't know, twenties probably, early twenties. <laughs> exactly. That's the exact same thing I would think too. He finished tenth. Yeah. He finished 10th. He had career highs in a lot of categories, um, a lot of cases. He had his most completions ever. He had his best interception percentage. He had his longest touchdown, and he had a four, you know, 4,200 yards, um, and that was, that was the second best of his career. Uh, he had 53 plays. Uh, no, sorry. Tw- uh, yeah, 53 plays of over 20 yards. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so there's some depth to his game as well. In general, he had a great passer rating. Just think about it. If they can get, if he has AJ Green that whole season, uh, he's getting closer to the 5,000 mark, uh, better than he, he did. Uh, and I think, you know, you're going to get, uh, Boyd's going to make that progression into his second year. I think there's talk that I'm hearing a little bit that there might be interested in Victor Cruz, who I think could be a good slot receiver for them. He's got a lot of experience. You know, he's definitely not the same guy he used to be, but they don't need him to be. They just need some guy that gets it and can find a hole and make some plays here or there. Uh, So I like that. They they could be going to the draft to get um, some more offensive playmakers for him. In general, we'll see what happens, but – um, I like uh, an Andy Dalton. He's, you know, a kind of guy that obviously you, you can wait. He was undrafted in most leagues last year. He'll probably go in the teens in most drafts this year. But people just do not like drafting him. He was like he's like the Wes Welker of old, where it's just like the guy would do it a year in a year out. But somehow you're getting him in the tenth or eleventh round. You're like, okay, I've, I've I've been passing this guy over for too many rounds with the thought of taking him next year. 
my and I'm someone that is does take a backup quarterback. I know you probably you might not, and I know a lot of people don't, but I can see Andy Dalton being my backup uh, QB this year. Um, so I like I like a Dalton what he can go what what can happen. Hopefully, the strength of schedule will uh, will look pretty next year. But Andy Dalton better than advertised. Finished this year tenth well, uh, in what seemed like a really tough season for the team. And like you said, AJ, what he played ten games. Tyler Eifert. He only played eight games, and yeah. he Dalton did all of that without his arguable his two best receivers, and like you said, he's and a rookie performed, yeah. So I, I'm with you. And uh, they lost they lost Marvin Jones, that you know. So it's just yep, like, yep. and he Jones showed that he at least in in, in small instances that he's an uh, electric player, and he had some big games for Dalton in the past. So Andy Dalton, not sexy. But if you're in a two quarterback league, if you're, you know, if you draft two quarterbacks and you like to have that kind of security, then he's, 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 he's good. I could see him, you know, he's never going to be a top five guy in my opinion, but I, I could see him next year with all his weapons around, you know, being on that fringe of top five and being, you know, six, seven or eight. And uh, that's pretty good if you if you want to wait late to go for a quarterback like your your streaming option that he could turn into a streamer uh, from, from streamer to starter real quickly he could be this year's Matt Ryan in, in many ways. Well, and I'm trying one of my in my tips you know I know we'll do a show eventually on collecting our pyromaniac tips for fantasy football but is just being the Bruce Lee of fantasy man being flexible not being a slave to any one discipline, right? Bruce Lee came up with his own uh, form uh, of karate or uh, what was it called? Daekwondo, I believe, is what he Mm. referred to his own um, style of martial arts. Daekwondo, Daekwondo. And in his movies, he tried to relay a lot of this where he didn't wear necessarily a garb or the dress of any one particular master. And oftentimes he would fight guys that represented one type of discipline and shows how his style could adapt to anything. I want to be more adaptive. I want to not be so set on a guy like a Dalton because we have these guys that are just in our head. We think, well, you know, he is this. We think of Dalton. Heck, I've even heard other podcasts call the Dalton line or the Dalton rule where a quarterback just who's just kind of blah, who can do it once in a while. I don't want to have that mindset. I want to be open. I think last year sometimes I liked a guy and I just stuck to my guns. I want to be more flexible, and Dalton is a perfect case. I think we need to rethink how we look at certain players, Dalton being one of them. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to uh, piggyback on your Bruce Lee is uh, is a quote, and it's also an actual great uh, uh, interview. I forget who the interviewer was, but if you go on YouTube and you do a search for Be Like Water, Bruce Lee, it's an old black and white interview. God, that guy was smart, so eloquent and amazing. Uh, But basically he had a quote in that that was, uh, you must be shapeless, formless, like water. When you pour water in a cup, it becomes a cup. When you pour water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. When you pour water in a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Water can drip and it can crash. Become like water, my friend. And yeah. that, inter- that inter- that's an excerpt from that interview, and it's awesome. He's talking about how he used to – one of the things he did, he had Bruce Lee's uh, camp in Hollywood. He would teach these actors – how, like he he taught Steve McQueen, uh, who's the other guy that he, I'm spacing his Kareem name. Abdul Jabbar. Uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Lee, uh, who's the guy? Lee, uh, I'm spacing his name, Lee but Marvin? yeah, Lee Marvin. Chuck yeah, Norris. 
as he, well. Yeah, Lee. Mar- he, the, the guy interviewer was like, "Who is better, Lee Marvin or um, Steve McQueen?" And he's like, "Well, Steve McQueen's the kind of guy that's a badass and won't stop until he beats you, and Marvin's more of like a technique guy." And he, this interview's awesome. So if you like Bruce Lee, check it out. Uh, just do a search on YouTube for uh, "Be Like Water." It's uh, it's probably about forty minutes. Uh, a plus. Well, I'm going to transition back, but I, I want to put this little caveat out there. D-Rex had all, a couple of other topics for us to talk about tonight, to go pop culture and movies and whatnot. We still need to plan maybe a couple of podcasts where we go off topic like this. and Because uh, you and I always end up in some strange areas, but I, I love them. I wanna, I'm going to probably be looking up that Bruce Lee interview a bit later, because uh, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Back Two, if I could segue back in here, I'm going to be like water and, and try to flow, <laughs> flow back into where we were. Now, we're talking about uh, players that look attractive, guys, under the radar. Now, I had two kind of written down. I had Alshon Jeffrey slash Meredith, and I wanted – I already got it out there, but I wanted to say I like Jeffrey just because if you can get him early on before we know where he lands – Fingers crossed, he could land up in just a perfect situation where he has got a fantastic quarterback. Maybe he's got another wide receiver there, and he could just tear it up. So I think you could get him undervalued if indeed the stars align, and he does end up somewhere in free agency. That said, I really think that Cameron Meredith is somebody to look at. Now, if you recall last year, I referenced a John Paulson article, and it came out about the time of free agency. I think John Paulson rolls it out every year about the same time, and he just incorporates new numbers into it. One of the real revealing things in this article, and it was basically fantasy impact on, or I'm sorry, free agency impact on fantasy value. One of the big takeaways was wide receivers that improve their spot. So if they go from a wide receiver three and they're now on a team that's a wide receiver two, generally that's very good for fantasy. Well, if you think that Alshon Jeffrey is gone, by default, Meredith is going to improve his spot, right? Alshon, you got to believe he's hitting the trail for greener pastures and straighter hemlock over the hill. That said, Meredith, I think, is really going to be a guy, and we saw Meredith get it done with, let's face it, subpar quarterback play. If indeed they increase their quarterback, I think Meredith, who vaulted up to 97 targets in just his second season, uh, he really showed a lot of people what he can do. He was much of a surprise. Not many people drafted him. He had 400-yard receiving games, and again, Nobody really to speak of at a quarterback spot. So I think Meredith could be a hot commodity again if things go well and the roster um, improves for him with quarterback and Alshon leaving. I think Meredith could be a nice grab. Yeah, for sure. I test. Yeah, well, he, he he had a one game where he dropped a bunch of balls, but all the wide receivers were dropping a ton of balls in Chicago last year. Uh, but I agree. Meredith, he's just got that body. He looks fluid out there. He looks uh, fast enough. He isn't afraid to go across the middle. And as you said, I mean, we, Matt Barkley, uh, he was making him, other than horrible interceptions in games that they're way down trying to pass back into, he was making Matt Barkley look like uh, he he belonged uh, in the backfield as a starting quarterback in moments. So I really like a camera, Meredith. We'll see what happens. Uh, on the Alshon side of things, where do you want him to go? Do you like him, in, you know, with 
uh, Carson Wentz or do you like him more uh, with the other rookie in L.A.? Like those are the kind of the two spots people are talking about with him. Uh, do you like him with the Rams or with the, the Eagles? I would prefer him to go with the Eagles. I think the Rams, they've just got so much to address personally. Now they've got pieces in place on defense, but uh, they don't really have – any other weapons there. I think the Eagles, they Jordan Matthews, they've got uh, Zach Ertz. I think they've got some nice offensive weapons in place that I think it would do well for Meredith. Although we saw Meredith as the number one dog and he still was doing well. So if he goes out west as the number one dog, because I think he would be better than anything the Rams have in place as of right now, I think he could still do well, but I would like to see him with some other players, with a Jordan Matthews, with an Ertz to take some of the pressure off. I think yeah, he could do really well there. Cool. I agree. Uh, and also, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all right. I mean, I really, I got a, I've got a couple other guys listed here, but I'll just quickly do, keep your eye on uh, Jeremy Macklin and obviously uh, Dante Moncrief. Moncrief will start – He'll start moving up and up and up, but terrible season, kind of one of the bigger – he went from being everyone's darling to everyone's biggest bust last year, mine included. The industry-wide kind of latched on to him as the guy that was going to turn from a mediocre into superstar in one season, and it just did not happen. So – but that is going to help you in this kind of situation where that is the reason why he might still come at a great value, and if the things that everyone thought were going to happen last year – with him and his talents and being, you know, kind of one of the having such a great player like Hilton uh, that the other defenses have to worry about and open stuff up for you uh, could be could be big time for Dante Moncrief. He finished 68th. Uh, in nine games, obviously he was banged up, but wasn't doing much even before those. Uh, actually, he had a lot of TDs. Yeah, he's a TD machine, man. Yeah, he was a TD guy. So he had seven TDs uh, in nine games. So that's touchdown dependent. But um, keep your eye on, on him. Just let's let it see how that injury comes around and comes back into the 2017 season. But I think a lot of players, him and Macklin, will be uh, down lower on a lot of players and the talents there. Yeah, he's a TD machine, and I understand you got to be aware of TD. They're volatile. I'm always saying that. But even, like I said, or like you said, seven touchdowns out of nine games last year, and then the year before that, I believe it was when uh, Luck got injured. 33% of Luck's touchdowns, 5 of 15, went to Moncrief. So he has just uh, rapport down in the red zone. So I, I'm with you on Moncrief. I've long been a Moncrief fan just for the, the touchdowns, and he's uh, the tallest wide receiver, at least right now, on the team. Uh, not pass catcher. They got some bigger tight ends, but tallest pass catcher on the team. He is a red zone darling, so I'm I'm with you on that one. Got a couple other names to toss out for guys that you're looking for. I, I felt like I might have interrupted your, your flow there before you finished. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, you know, it, not really. I just put those guys... Carson Wentz, uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. I think he started out hot, smart kid. Hopefully he's put it in the time. Uh, as we mentioned, could get a nice piece like a, a, a Jeffrey, could get some talent around him. I could see a nice uh, a nice sophomore um, elevation for him. So keep your eye on him. Uh, he's a guy that you can steal at the very end of any draft you're doing. Uh, and then the last guy I would say is, is, is just an, another bear. 
Uh, Zach Miller actually had an okay season uh, before he went down and got banged up. He finished uh, at the with twenty first uh, at the tight end position, and but he had only played in uh, ten games. Uh, I just kind of like him. I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's a lot of these no namers like him and like Cameron Brait, and I, I would even say Barnage was one the year before. Uh, we saw um, Doyle have his moments. We saw there's just it seems like there's uh, there's just these guys these no namers that just can be put into certain situations and get it done and i think uh miller's one of the zach miller's one of those guys i think he was out of the league for like three or four years we picked him up last year uh had a great season and then he was kind of rolling and looking pretty nice again this season before he went down had four touchdowns had you know uh 500-ish yards so i feel like if he could have gotten those extra six games in, he you're putting him right up there in the top 10 uh which as we know it's not that difficult because you know the Jordan top ten is ninety four points. Antonio Gates. Uh, so I think if he plays all all the games this year, there's no question about it that uh, that, that that Zach Miller is going to be a, a top ten, maybe even uh, top seven tight end. And he's nobody's wants this guy. Nobody's drafted him. Just name value is zero. Bears uh, offense is not well sought after. So it's food for thought. Got to keep keep an eye on, in, especially in to you what you were talking about in our first uh, segment, how you can just wait on tight ends. So that's the kind of guy where I think he could come into play. Yeah, you named a bunch that you know Doyle, uh, Fedorowitz, you know Doyle. Barnage, Bray, all these guys that weren't drafted at, that you can wait on. But when Miller, you know, if healthy, uh, Miller showed he's got the stuff. Just needs to stay on the field, but uh, I'm with you, and I think it just goes to show tight end was kind of a shit show this year, and anybody can pop up, but by no means am I going early, and if you can get a guy like a Miller, uh, a Brait, bit later, I think that's going to be worth it for you. I got just real quick, a couple names to toss out. I think CJ Procise is going to be a heck of a guy as long as he can stay healthy. I think that offense is is going to be really fit for him where he can run the ball and catch it out of the backfield. I think, um, you know, they, they they had their hopes with him this year. We saw a couple flashes. He just wasn't on the field. He, he had some bad breaks. He's not necessarily a injury-prone guy. I saw him at Notre Dame. I love what he can do. I really think he could be a special player. Amir Abdullah, another one just to toss out there. Don't forget about him. We lost him to injury this year. I think he's going to fly under the radar. And then the last one, a guy we kind of already mentioned by default, because you talked about Cooper, is Crabtree. You know, we're seeing the continued progression of Derek Carr. And as long as Amari Cooper's on that team, the fantasy community is going to see Crabtree as nothing but a second fiddle. And he, with that, he's going to see lesser cornerback play. And the drafting public, I think, is going to miss out on a guy like Crabtree. 2016 Crabtree. More targets, including red zone. More receptions, more touchdowns than Amari Cooper. 2015. Again, more targets, more receptions, uh, more touchdowns. So Crabtree can get it done. I think he's going to provide draft day value. Now, before we talk to can I tell you, Can I tell you one thing? Yeah, bring it on. And Crabtree should be pissed because I think both in the Pro Bowl and in All-Pro, um, Amari Cooper made both. 
and Crabtree is better. Right. Yeah. Like he should, but he should. Why? Why isn't Crabtree the, the All Pro? Why isn't he the Pro Bowler? He had a better season. Yep. It did better. Uh, so just Crabtree getting it done. And the one thing I would also want to let our listeners know. I'm a crab. I'm a 49er fan. I'm a Crabtree fan from when he was in college. Watched him. He was just the biggest stud. Obviously, didn't really have the the, the best time in his first years with the 49ers because he had Alex Smith throwing the ball. But last year, both me and Pyromaniac Mo were off the Crabtree yeah. tree uh, limbs because he had gotten his contracts. We kind of just thought he was going to start loafing it a little bit. So you got you got two guys here that are aren't holding grudges and don't. We don't really do that, which I think was why we're good at fantasy football but guys that we don't like or guys that we had at a point didn't like hey we're smart enough to recognize look at the stats look at the data look at the situation um you know one year later me and you were both off crabtree and now i would agree to say that we're both totally on them so don't be like water i uh, don't just gonna yeah. say, that was part of my be like water thing where you yeah. can't, you can't have a mindset is so stuck that you just stick to a guy because why you heard one analyst to tell you one good fact or you saw one thing once i mean this is accumulation of knowledge that you see and you have to be like water you you got to flow and um be willing to change don't be such a you know stick in the mud curmudgeon mindset that you're not gonna change no matter what i'm stick does you no good when you're not in the championships well at least you're stuck to your guns you know be that's flexible. gonna happen be that's flexible. gonna happen to me uh, yeah, right. <laughs> With Alshon. Alshon's going to go to Eagles. He's going to light it up like, I'm not having him on my team. And then at the end of the season, they're like, I'm an idiot. I should have been like water. Instead, I was like a, a shamrock shake. Yep. <laughs> well, well said, sir. Well said. All right, man. We got one more. One more uh, quick one to kind of go over, and that's going to be guys we're going to target. That is to say perhaps some league winners. But before we get there, we got the last trivia question for you so fire up those synapses my friend here we go uh we talked earlier about running backs that hit the thousand yard mark so of course i'm gonna flip the coin and we're gonna ask how many wide receivers were able to accumulate 1,000 yards or more in 2016. Think about that. We are going to pay some bills. We are pyromaniac.com. You are listening to the Pyro Light, and we will be right back. Thanks for sticking with us, Pyromaniacs. As you know, uh, we are already hard at work with the draft kit. We're going to be rolling it out in the coming months. Uh, we're already got things in place, people working on it. It is always a weapon of mass destruction. That is the 2017 Pyromaniac Draft Kit uh, coming soon to the Pyromaniac Shop online. We'll be winning fantasy leagues across America, so stay tuned at pyromaniac.com. All right, folks at home in D-Rex, how many wide receivers in 2016 amassed 1,000 receiving yards? What say you? I think I know this one because we talked about it the other night uh, uh, on the show, on the heavy show. I'm going to guess 17. I mean, am I one or, uh, on or one above or one below? Uh, no, my friend. Answer, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Now you're making me check because I know because I it's, it's it's I know I'm within one or I'm on the mark. No, it's 16, 17, or 18. I believe my my thing says twenty three is what oh, it says. God, 
Damn it. So I'm going to check this just to, <laughs> just to make sure because you were so certain. You're, you're th- I know. I, now that I'm not so certain. Okay, here. I'll tell you in a second. Regular? It is. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's 23. Yeah. All right. Okay. <sighs> I shouldn't doubt myself. Yeah, Don't 23. doubt yourself. All right. Okay. Wow. 23. And here's a little follow-up. 23. That is the second most, ironically. We had... 23 in 2013. We also had 23 in 2004. Wow. Kind of an anomaly of it. Well, not really. The record since uh, 2000 is 25. When do you think it came? True. This is a trick question. It's not a trick question, but it's not going to be an easy answer. So we had 23 this year, which tied 2013. It also tied 24. And since 2000, the record is 25 wide receivers. When did that occur? 2015. 2001. It was such an anomaly. That's why I kind of said it was a bit of a trick question. It was such an anomaly because all back then it was low teens, low teens, and all of a sudden, boo, it spiked way up in this <laughs> one year. And then that was sort of the outlier. I was amazed. I almost stopped going back that far. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And then all of a sudden, boop. I'm like, wow, no kidding. Glad I went back that far. Well, gay, hey, Mo, let's just say one thing. I stink at your trivia. <laughs> hey, man, you were, you were right on. The first couple, you were just one, uh, one off. Oh, God. This doesn't matter. This isn't a Scantron test. I gotta get, you got to get it on. You got to get it on. So, uh, went 0 for today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. Well, and by comparison, we had, what, 12 running backs that did it this year. 23 wide receivers. If you go back uh, looking at running backs – 21 did it in 2000, uh, 22. So you've just seen running back go down, wide receiver go up. It's just been quite uh, quite the change in the NFL league for sure. Well, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does that stat and that information and knowing where we're at right now, does that make you want to go for a running back in the first two rounds more or less? Honestly, I, well, I think this is really going to be the question of the summer. I think yep. it's going to depend on ADP. It's going to depend on your league. I think in the sharper leagues, wide receivers are still going to be the, the predominant price. I think in the Joes league, the average league, they, they don't spend too much time thinking about it. I think they're going to go with running back because that's what they saw last year. It really depends on the room I'm playing. I think by for the most part, I'm still going to be wide receiver heavy. But I would certainly want to land a, a couple big name running backs. I really think that's the most exciting thing I'm I'm waiting to see with ADP. Once we start getting ADP, is to see how the fantasy community has reacted. We went running back heavy for years and years and years. Then we had the the Paul Chargian called it uh, the do the opposite. We had people calling it the zero RB, and it proved great two years ago. It didn't hold water last year. So I'm really excited to see what ADP tells us. I still think I'm going to be wide receiver heavy. What about you? You know, I, I think remember last year, it basically a lot of a lot of drafts that I was the Antonios and the Julios were going real, you know, real early. The top two, two, three picks. Same with ODB, the junior. Um, so I don't know. I think this year you got to be going David Johnson, Bell, oh, and sure. Ezekiel Elliott in those first few picks. Uh, so I think that'll be a reversal from last year. And there were some drafts I was in where those guys were going high, but in all honesty, I think. 
Gurley went second in one draft, and and then David Johnson didn't even go to fifth or sixth in that one. So I, I think you got if you got that early, you got an advantage for the uh, first time and a, a definitive advantage if you are in a draft and you pull you pull one of those top three or four players this year. And I would say it'd be smart to go with a running back. Yeah. Uh, I heard an interesting, it's called the fragile model. So for MFL 10s, where it's just best ball to take a running back in the first three rounds, it's fragile because if you bust, you bust it. And, and there's no way it's going to win. If a guy gets hurt, if a guy craps the bed, whatever. But if you hit, if you hit, and the idea is that everyone else is going to be going wide receiver early and often. So you could potentially land, you know, three of the top 15, three of the top 20 running backs. And if you hit, you're going to stack up nine wide receivers later. You're bound to do well in wide receiver. And if you've got some of those, if you end up with two RB1s on your MFL 10 team, uh, that's an interesting strategy. But I think what we're talking about right now, this is going to be the question of the summer. How are people going to go? Is it going to be running back? Is it going to be wide receiver? I'm anxious to see what ADP tells us. Good point. All right, cool, man. All right, let's talk about uh, the last one real quick. We're talking about game changers. That is uh, league winners. So a couple of guys that you're thinking about that you could draft or, or look to target. A guy that you think could be, boom, you draft him, he's a league winner. Give me a guy that you think fits the bill, my friend. I mean, I'll start off with the, usually the 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 quarterback that just goes on the domination domination of train season really can help you out. And I think uh, my guy, I think that it's due. I think it's this year. It might be next year, uh, but in the next couple of season, um, Andrew Luck will have his seminal breakout, touching the fifty touchdown mark touching the 5,000 mark, maybe going over it, and just kind of has one of those seasons of the gods, as Dogmatica would call it. Uh, and I think luck is due for that. I think uh, he's kind of learned his lesson a little bit on some of these injuries. I think it would have been a much better um, season for him uh, last year, uh, had some situations not happened, and he still finished, what, third, if, second? Hold on. Luck was third, fourth. So it was Rodgers, Ryan, Breeze, then Luck. Yep. Uh, so I like he had 31 touchdowns. I like the Luck is the kind of guy who <clears throat> I liked him. I liked him last year. Was able to get him in the you know sixth ish round, uh, and that was in 10 man leagues. Uh, it's 12 man. You're gonna have to maybe get a. You can still probably probably get him around there. I was going what might have been a little bit high because I really wanted him. Um, so Andrew Luck, I think, at the quarterback position, which obviously scores the most points, that would be my pick for a guy that can be a w- league winner for you. You know, actually, I didn't even think quarterback because I am such a late-run quarterback, and I think it all kind of evens out. You may have these really big weeks with some guys, but, you know, to me, hey, if I don't hit, I'm going to stream, in which case – I am playing the field up against your luck every week, and I'm going to be playing the guy that's, you know, facing Cleveland's defense. And next week I'm going to uh, play a guy that's playing up against a banged-up cornerback crew, uh, San Francisco or whatever. So I still am quarterback late theory. So I didn't even really look at quarterbacks. But throw out your next one because I think this one's kind of an interesting. What other quarterback did you say might be a league winner? 
Well, the one reason why I do do quarterback, and this is no offense to the, the fella that's happened to, but um, one guy that's in my oldest league, uh, he's a good fantasy baller, but he kind of he doesn't have consistent drafts all the way through. But this guy drafted Brady in 07. He drafted uh, Peyton Manning in, uh, what, four three years ago when he was in Denver. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive he had that huge Peyton Manning season, uh, back. I think that was probably, that was something like five or oh six or something. And those, just those picks alone put with the, like a poo poo platter for the rest. He's got three championships out of those seasons. Now it's a high scoring league, high incentive. And we kind of brought it down to earth in some instances because you can just score so many. I think I've seen a 73 point game from a quarterback in that league, but that's the reason why I say league winner. And I go with a quarterback is because this guy has three trophies, his plaque on the trophy three times. And it was basically just because of the quarterback. Um, so my other guy's Tony Romo. We don't know where he's going to be. Um, but you know, this is Tony Romo. If he can stay healthy, you're not going to have to draft him high. You can get – he's going to go late. I mean, maybe if he goes to Denver, he's going to start eking up there a bit higher and has a good preseason. Or, um, But I like a Tony Romo. I think he could kind of have that – uh, God on hand, God's hand on his shoulder from what went down in Dallas to him and, uh, kind of him showing some good, a uh, good teammate being a class act around it, uh, at least at the face value. Uh, so if a certain situation comes up and he goes to the right team, uh, with some talent on it, I think Tony Romo is a guy that could just have that seminal season and, 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 and have a comeback player of the year and just be like, ah, Romo. He's he's happy to be gone. You know, almost like, I guess, if he went to Denver, it would be somewhat similar to what happened with Manning. You know, Manning got injured, had that severed um, uh, vertebrae, missed the whole season, comes back and throws 50 touchdowns next year. Uh, So Tony Romo's just a, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, what does Staggs calls it, a, um, uh, I'm spacing the word, but it's a nice, it's a nice story. And, uh, he seems to have some of those happen to him. So I could see it going down with Romo league winner. Yeah. Narrative perhaps. Narrative. There know. you go. Uh, yeah. It's a good narrative. That's it. If indeed it's kind of like the Alshon Jeffrey thing. If the stars align and he goes to the right place with Romo, with Jeffrey, uh, I think they could have some, some fantastic payback uh, return on investment for their owners. I would take a, a Romo perhaps a bit earlier than folks might take him in MFL 10s in hopes that he does land somewhere before his ADP inflates. So I like that call. I only have a couple guys written down here. One, I think Martavis Bryant, you know, this is really going to depend, I think, more on off-field issues perhaps. But he, from all reports, he's on the straight and narrow. He's added just sheer muscle. I mean, have you seen pictures of him? He is beefed. Out. He is looking stacked, and I think this team is going to be high-volume offense. Uh, the talent with him is just insane, and if one of the pass catchers or if one of the big guys goes down, I'm not wishing that, but I'm just saying if it does, I think there's going to be a big piece, big place for him to play in this offense, big piece of the offense, and if indeed there's some injury, something happens here, he could just be in for a windfall if he's got his head on right and he's focused, I think we could just see fantastic things from him. It's going to be up to him, but I think he could be one of those narratives, if you will. Give me another there name. You know. Give me another name. Um, 
let me let me think about this. I'll give you. Uh, I'll just I'll do the guy for no other reason than just a hunch, and you mentioned him uh, in the previous segment. But yeah. Amir Abdullah, yep. there's something about him that I think we haven't we haven't seen the last of him, and he's good. Uh, he's just got to figure out a way to stay healthy. He might not have the body for the NFL, but he's a good player. He just needs to figure it out. In this. Obviously, if he comes back and he's healthy and he looks ready to go, there is going to be a boatload of work. The way that they were handing that ball and distributing it around and uh, with just kind of a, a revolving door of guys last year, if he comes back, he's going to be the, the, the lead dude. He's going to be the head uh, head honcho. So that he's a guy that, again, you're going to be able to draft this guy super, super late. We don't know what the ADP is yet until people you know for a little bit but uh, i like abdullah a lot i i like him too i think he's one of those guys who's on my list i just kind of tossed him out there quick but a guy that could give you major return on investment depending on where he goes but i cannot see him going early since we haven't seen him for so long i think and he's on that detroit offense uh, i think we could see some great stuff from him so i really like that call a guy i like um just to go back to one of the trivia questions we talked about running backs massing thousand yards ezekiel elliott was one of those guys he was also one of those guys that averaged over five yards of carry ezekiel elliott behind that massive dallas line averaged 5.1 yards of carry my guy jordan howard as a rookie averaged 5.2 better than elliott behind the chicago line Jordan Howard had second most rushing yards in the league, 13-13. Again, second only to Elliott. Here's the thing, he only had six rushing touchdowns. Out of the top 15 rushers accumulating the most yards, only Lamar Miller had fewer touchdowns. If he stays active in that offense, I mean, 302 total looks last year, I think the touchdown numbers are going to experience positive regression, especially if they add to their quarterback woes. I mean, defenses, when they're facing subpar quarterbacks, they're going to stack the box and play the run game. That's what they were doing, and Howard still had success. I really liked what we saw of him. He was consistent. He was a great uh, DFS play week in week out i think he they've really got something with him i wasn't a believer at the beginning of last year i don't even know if chicago was a believer at the beginning of last year uh but i certainly am now and he did all of that um only playing well he played 15 games but he didn't really get a lot of attempts i mean he only got his first double digit attempt game in week four so he did all of that without really playing uh, a full role in that offense until later on in the season. So I think he could be a phenomenal guy, given if that they get the quarterback and if they get that thing turned around. I think Jordan Howard could do some amazing things. He's a young talent I want to see. We're super excited about that kid. Uh, he's he's legit. So I'm uh, I'm hoping you're right because we we need we need a player like that to kind of uh, be the turnaround cog. Uh, for the Bears, he's gonna he he looks great though. Um, cool. I'm gonna take uh I'll take a stab at another guy in the uh NFC North, and that's uh Jared Cook, uh, a guy that just I can't believe you know he's he it just shows you what the right situation can do. Um, basically, I think his last three games this season with that nice playoff run, I think he had 19 catches. 
Uh, obviously, had that huge play to um, get that uh, to get him that victory in that comeback with Dallas. Uh, just being able to run around, he's got the size, he's got the the knowledge to know that that Aaron Rodgers can keep the ball um, alive. And I just think that he's there a huge priority for him this offseason. So I really think that Cook. Well, he's probably going to keep rising and rising and rising, um, and it's hard to think that you know he's going to score money more than 150 points. So maybe a league winner is a is a little bit. Uh, I mean, he can score more than 150. Maybe never get over the 200 mark. I don't think, but he looks pretty freaking good. You know, one of the things that I thought was uh, pretty impressive in the second half of the season, he had he had four catches of over 25 yards. Uh, so he can catch the long play. Uh, from Rodgers and he's fast he's been we've seen him do it in the past so pretty pretty impressive he's 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 kind of a long ball tight end uh, so he's a guy that I'm certainly interested in in checking it out kind of a he averaged 55 yards and four catches uh, over his last 10 games of the season last year um, so I just expect them to sign him him to be more acclimated because he was a little banged up at the beginning of the year uh yeah, he only played 10 games this year, his first year with the Packers. So keep an eye on uh, Jared Cook, see what happens. If the price is right, uh, he could be the perfect kind of compliment uh, to Aaron Rodgers, uh, who hasn't had a tight end it's literally in ages. And he, when he did have him, uh, he, he used to be able to use him in the past. But uh, I'm spacing the guy's name, but the guy with the neck injury that went down about five years ago, uh, he's, uh, he used to be, he used to be a tight end guy, but he just hasn't had anybody to throw it to lately. Jared Cook might be that guy now. Well, and my friend, I know you've got, uh, one other name jotted down. Uh, I've gone through my names, but give me one other name, uh, you got for a game changer or a league changer next year. Adam Thielen. I think, uh, I liked what I saw out of him this year. He's no one's going to, he's still going to come into value because he's white and his yep. namesake doesn't, uh, bounce off the page at you but if it, i will say this that if bradford is the starter which it's sounding that, that bridgewater uh you know there's kind of some false uh, information that came out that said he won't play next year and he's like that's not true i'm on target but if sam bradford is the the quarterback for the vikings next year then Thielen is going to be able to have uh, a some great production uh, they obviously have a great rapport with one another. And, uh, you know, just he, Thielen kind of had some big games. And I, I really like the trajectory for him. Game league winner, not on his own, uh, but he could be that great wide receiver three that just keeps getting it done. And while other people are going high on Diggs, who's a great player as well, uh, but Thielen had a better season than Diggs did last year. I know Diggs missed a few games, but he still had a lot, you know, 30 more targets. Uh, 20 more targets. So Thielen's a guy I'm keeping my eye on that just might be, I don't think he's going to have this long, successful career, but I think in, in a small microcosm, he's going to be pretty good. I like it. I like it. I think we tossed out some uh, some good names here, and I just want to let the folks know this is indeed episode 63 of the Pyro Light. And while the Pyro Heavy is, you guys are taking a bit of a, of a kickback, putting your legs up for a few weeks. Hopefully the Pyro Light will be able to fill in here and there, as I will be doing fantasy football talks through the offseason. So uh, this has been a pleasure, man. Good to get my feet wet back in the game and look forward to doing more of these. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I think we're recording our next show the first week of March. Uh, it's a short February, so uh, we're taking a couple few weeks off, which has been great. Uh, overdue, something we haven't really done, and we all kind of looked at each other at the end of the season all tired, and we're like, you know what? Let's honestly take a little bit of a break. I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, we kind of have been going gunning and gunning for the past couple of years, no taking no stops and just going on to the next season. And uh, in all honesty, we're just we're just going to get let it breathe a little bit. Uh, but that we'll get it we'll get it going in March. Uh, actually, stag party uh, and Waz and um, I don't think Houdini's going, but they're going to the uh, the combine in yeah, two weeks. I was bummed I couldn't make that. Yeah, so I was wondering if you were going or not, but uh, I can't either. I'm going to the Cubs uh, spring training opening next weekend for kind of a work play thing, uh, and I just can't have some Daisy be watched two weeks two weekends in a row. So I'm not going to go. But kind of when that combine thing happens for those guys, um, that's kind of when we're going to circle back around, do a podcast, kind of start. We're doing a lot of great stuff with rookies this year. We got a great team in place, um, you know, yourself included, but you know, we brought on a lot of smart dudes, yeah. uh, over the course of the last year. So it's good, pretty nice to have a little, last week was pretty amazing. Like literally don't think I did even more than like two hours of pyro work. I did some notes and thinking about the upcoming season and a plan. But other than that, it was like every night I was like, wait. What? I can watch TV right now yeah, for the next right. three hours. Right. This is awesome. Hold on, let me put my te- feet up on the uh, on the ottoman and and, and get going. So uh, we're excited, and yeah, just wanted to give hats off to you. You're doing a great job in the show, building the uh, viewership, listenership, and and just kind of owning this thing, and uh, amongst uh, many other components, of Pyro. So super appreciative of of that, and I know. A lot of our fans really love what you do. So keep it up, my man. Enjoy some downtime. And um, it's been great. Thanks for having me on, dude. Absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, checking back in with you here on the Pyro Light. Uh, I always enjoy talking with you, my man. And uh, thank you for, for stopping by for a chat. We appreciate it. All right, brother. You're the man. All right, man. Take her easy. That was D-Rex himself. The Godfather of Goo. Yeah, follow him over on Twitter, Pyromaniac. That is at P Y R O M A N, the number one A C. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo. That's all letters P Y R O M A N I A C M O. As stated, I'll be filling in here and there, doing a couple shows with some of the Pyro guys, and then. Uh, I've already started talking to folks in the fantasy football community for some fantasy football talks. They're kind of, as I said, doing a collective vacation right now. So a lot of people uh, are really just kicking back, having some margaritas. But rest assured, when they're ready to go, I'll grab them and do a fantasy football talk. But look for the fantasy uh, football light podcast from Pyro to come back quick with another of the, the mainstay from the Pyro crew and... As always, stay tuned. At the end of the show, you can hear the rancid song, Civilian Ways, in its entirety. And until the next time, folks, we will catch you on the flip side. One, two, three, four.
And I promised myself I would cherish every moment I can But there's ghosts that follow me around everywhere I am When I say goodbye, I try to be strong Now I'm going back to the U.S. where I belong Sacrifices my friends made for me. Mary never forget the sacrifices my friends made for me. Mary never forget the sacrifices my friends made for me. 